Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Very exciting today. It's the 1967 Justice League of America and Justice Society team-up. That's part one of the aforementioned Justice League and Justice Society team-up. Today we are looking at issue 55 of Justice League of America, which was published on the 13th of June 1967, cover dated August 1967. It's a good one, this. Yeah, very significant for a lot of long-term developments for the JSA. So, Pete, tell us about the cover. It's got a lovely blue background with a red, white and blue Justice League of America logo at the top. And front and centre... Mm. We have Robin, but it's not like any other Robin we've seen before. This is the grown-up version of Earth 2 Robin. He's wearing a costume that's mostly like Batman's costume. And he's got a different symbol. He's got a bat right in the centre of his chest, as you would expect, with a red oval around it. And there's a yellow R right in the centre. Yeah. It's basically the emerging of the Batman logo and the Robin logo. Yes. Robin's red breast has been shifted from over his, his left peck, dead centre. He stuck a bat logo on it. Indeed. And he's got a yellow cape mm-hmm. in this. And he's got a bit of a, a bit of a collar on it as well. It's very much like Alan Scott's Green Lantern cape. Mm-hmm. And he's also got uh, his usual domino mask, except his domino mask is now upturned at each end, as if to signify the bat ears. Let's be honest, this costume doesn't get a, a lot of love. No, that's true. Where do you stand on it? I quite enjoy it, to be honest. I think it would be beneficial to if it had a darker cape. Mm. I think the cape is the thing that really drags away from it. But to be honest, it works for me. I can, I can see it as an interim step. I like it a lot. It's Robin fulfilling his own destiny and mm-hmm. you know, becoming essentially a legacy character of his own. Years and years before all the time, various times that Dick Grayson has been Batman in the modern comics continuity. This is, yeah. this is as you say, it's an interim stage. It's almost like mm-hmm. Dick is on his way to becoming Batman itself. I really like it. I mean, I like the yellow cape. I like the fact it all just looks slightly... It's such a combination of the Robin and Batman look. Yeah. A, you know, a darker cape would have maybe swung it a little bit more to, towards Batman, but that mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily have been a bad thing, really. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's weird to articulate why I like it. I, I mean, I recognise why a lot of people think it's crap <laughs> and don't like it. Because <laughs> yeah. it is, does look a bit of a, a fussed sort of hot bodge thing. Yeah. It's very of its time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I like it so much. There's one comparison I'd like to make as well, and that is if you just look at his head... With the, the mask and the collar coming up, it's very reminiscent of the first Earth One Nightwing costume. Yes. Uh, with the with the disco collar as it yes. was called. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And obviously the more stylized mask. Yeah, that's that's so. definitely fair. And I wonder if the you know, if the Nightwing costume was influenced by this design. May well, well be. You know, we'll never know, but you're right, it's a nice bit of synchronicity. Yep, but it's not just Robin, it's on this no, no, no. on this cover. Robin's actually punching out a bad guy, as you would expect. Mm-hmm. And in the background there's Someone who appears to be like an ancient Chinese warrior holding a mace and a shield, and he's pummeling our man, which is not good for the man of the hour. Not enough, no. Also in the background, we have a chap with an orange top hat with a pound logo on it. He's wearing a monocle and a blue jacket, and he's taking down Mr. Terrific. Oh no! Finally, on the cover, we have a girl in a go go dress and an elaborate hat, and she's taking out Wonder Woman. We have a caption on the cover that says, Will a grown-up Robin win where his fellow Justice Society members are losing? Terrific. Yeah, I like just noticing there, actually, I like how Robin's right foot very carefully 
replaced as it's covered up Mr. Terrific's chest logo <laughs> so that no one's had to write fair play. Yes, that's, that's, that's quite amusing. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so who are these people that are fighting the Justice Society? You're going to find out very soon. Yes. So, straight in, and we have our opening splash panel, which has a big Justice League of America logo to the left, a little indicator that says the Justice League, and we get floating heads of Superman, Barry Allen's Flash, Hal Jordan's Green Lantern, and Green Arrow, which is, is nice to see. He wasn't in the last one, was he in the one before? I can't remember, but he, was, okay. he certainly doesn't feel like a guy who's, who's popped up too often no. in the team-ups. And then the other side of the, the logo, we have a little indicator that says the Justice Society and the floating heads of Our Man, Wonder Woman, Johnny Thunder, Mr. Terrific, Wildcat, Hawkman, and Robin. Now, Robin looks, the way he's drawn here and in the story, doesn't look quite as buff and grown up and mature as he does on the cover. No, that's true. But we'll talk about that further. Mm-hmm. The rest of the opening splash panel was taken up with the aforementioned gentleman in the blue suit and the orange top hat with the pound logo on it, the big ancient-looking Chinese warrior, the big burly guy who Robin was punching out, who's wearing a sort of green and black spandex outfit, and the sort of contemporary-looking go-go girl. And above each of these four individuals, there's a black dot or a black sphere with sort of lines radiating from it. The guy in the blue suit's throwing money around. Um, the girl in the go-go dress is carrying jewels. These will become relevant. So yes, the black spheres, pay attention to them. Now, at the bottom of all this, we have our credit box, which says, Art by Sikowski in green, story by Gardner Fox. And then a caption box that says, Four ordinary people struck by black spheres become extraordinary. So much so that not even the Justice Society of Earth 2 or their Justice League counterparts of Earth 1 knew how to handle the the super super crisis that that struck struck Earth 2. Fantastic. So, into the story properly. Top of page 2. Now there is an awful lot of say-what-you-see captioning in this story, which is... Probably going to save my vocal cords a little bit of explaining. In our preparation, I expressed my my frustration and dissatisfaction with the See What You See captions. I think maybe because we've read a few stories that are kind of evolving a little bit beyond yes, that uh-huh. now. It does feel a little bit, oh, come on, Garden, you know. Retro. Yeah, it gives, yeah. you know, we're mm-hmm. not that thick. We can see what's going on, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. there are several pages when you wouldn't even have to read the captions. You'd still be able to follow what's, yeah. what's going on in the story. But we'll see how we go. Maybe so, Gardner was paid by the word. It's possible. I mean, <laughs> who was who was editing JLA at this point? Julie Sports. Julie, right. Yeah. Julie's quite old school in that way as well, yeah. isn't he? So, our opening caption then for our first panel, JLA 55, goes a little something like this. Chinese bandit Hao Chu stands before a firing squad, sentenced to pay with his life for his crimes. Yes, we see Hao Chu tied to a post. He's a very large, well-built man, shaved head, moustache, or maybe he's bald. Um, we can see the silhouettes of guns pointing at him. And there is a soldier, obviously in charge of the firing squad, and the soldier says, Ready! Aim! Caption for the next panel. Out of the sky hurtles a small black sphere. Yep, that's what we see, a little black dot appearing behind Hao Chu as the soldier shouts, Fire! An instant before the bullets reach their target, the globe sinks into the bandit's body, and... Yes, the soldier exclaims off camera, Hiya! The bullets! Bouncing off him! And we see Hao Chu... Looking very, very pleased, as indeed the bullets just bounce off him. He starts to break the ropes surrounding him. The caption of the next panel. With a snarl of utter fury and a blast of awesome raging strength, he rips loose his bonds. Yeah, we can see him snapping his handcuffs, and he starts punching out the members of the firing squad, proclaiming, Fools! You are like straw men to Hao Chu. I am mightier than all of you. Fantastic. Don't mess with Hao Chu. So... 
are slow dissolve. Change of location. The caption for the next panel says, In Chicago, USA, stenographer Claire Morton is admiring her jewellery display when... Yes, we see Claire standing outside the jewellers looking in. We are sort of inside the jewellers looking out at her. We can see, you know, necklaces and earrings and rings. She's a very fashionable sort of short side shed haircut. She's wearing a sleeveless dress, clutching her handbag. She's a hand up to her face and she's thinking... I wonder if I'll ever be rich enough to wear such gorgeous gems. And we can see her being struck on the shoulder by another one of those little black spherical dots. And she thinks, Oh, what hit me? Caption for the next panel then says, As that eerie ebony is absorbed into her body, She uses her handbag to smash the window of the jewellery shop with a giant crash and she thinks, Why wait? I can take all the jewels I want right now. Blimey. Caption for the next panel says, in London, England. <laughs> Sorry, I just had a friend's flashback there. In London. Sorry. <laughs> we should have um, London calling by the clash playing in the background <laughs> of this scene just to establish where we are. Indeed. Because that's the law. Of course. <laughs> in London, England, business magnate Horace Rowland strides towards a bank when... Yes, we see Horace from the back. Middle-aged man. Dressed, you know, in, in the way that Monty Python characters used to dress as businessmen and accountants back in the day. Bowler hat, very smart suit, carrying a briefcase and tapping a brolly. You can see he's outside the Bank of London. Bank of London Limited, that looks like. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Horace is thinking, if I put across that business deal, it'll make a handsome profit. And then we see just in front of Horace, bouncing off the pavement up towards him, it's another one of the black spheres. Horace thinks, hey, that black ball almost struck me. Next panel, top of page three, he's now holding it in his hand. Close up, we can see that it's radiating and he's peering closely at it, thinking, It's warm, pulsing, as if alive, and it's entering my skin, becoming a part of me. I have such a strange feeling, as if I suddenly gained fantastic powers. Caption for the next panel. In a matter of moments, Roland absorbs the blackness, rushes into the bank vault, and... We see... Horace ripping open the vault of the bank, thinking, Why should I bother making money legitimately? It takes too long. There's a fortune waiting here for the taking. As one bank guard has attempted to quash Horace in the back of the head with a thud, but it doesn't work. The bank guard thinks, It can't stop him. We have another change of location now. At Shore Stadium, youthful ex-fielder Marty Baxter is too intent on a personal problem to notice the ebony spheroid bearing down on him. Yes, Marty's at a baseball game. You can see number 10, we see the picture, we see number 29 on the, the pitch in front of him. Marty's wearing a brown suit, we see him from the back. The black sphere falling down towards him and Marty's thinking, I'd be out there banning in this World Series if I didn't come up with arthritis making it impossible for me to swing a bat. He's obviously been struck by the black dot. We can see, actually, it looks like it's merging into his ear, which is quite painful, I can imagine. <laughs> In the next panel, he's thinking, what, what hit me? My arthritis pain, gone! I feel like a new man, bursting with power! Caption for the next panel. In sudden savage anger, he grips the box railing and... Yeah, pulls it up, twisting it in his hand, thinking, I'll make the sports world pay for what they did to me. I'm going to smash down the stadium! He's grabbed this bit of railing and he's hurling it down to the wall of the the stadium. We can see a couple of surprised looking baseball players in the background. And Marty exclaims, Down with all sports! I feel that. Over the page to page four. Caption for the first panel then says, 
On all the planet Earth, four people struck at random turned into super beings for some unknown reason. And this is only the beginning. For in the days that follow, Hao Chu loots as he wills. Claire Morton becomes a gem grabber to her heart's delight. Yes, and this panel shows Hao Chu as we saw him in the cover in the splash panel, now wearing the, the armour of some ancient Chinese-looking warrior. And we see Claire standing covered in jewels. She's now wearing the gear that we saw in the cover and the splash panel. She's a bag open in front of her. She's a big expensive necklace hanging from her hand. She looks very happy. The caption for the next panel. In keeping with their illegal activities, this new breed of villains has adopted colourful costumes to suit their crimes. Yes, and this next panel shows Horace, now wearing the, the outfit Peter described earlier. We can see he's got frilly cuffs underneath his blue suit, big collar, top hat with a pound symbol on it. We can see Marty Baxter in the background, wearing to me something that reminds me a little bit of Chemical King of the Legion of Superheroes. Yes, I can entirely see that, yes. Yeah, it's sort of green with sort of black detailing. Horace is, looks like he's juggling $50 notes and a couple of $10 notes. They certainly don't look like British currency. No. Anyway, and he's thinking, money, money, money. He's obviously a big ABBA fan. I can't get enough of it. Or maybe this, maybe that panel actually inspired ABBA. May well have done. We'll never know. ABBA, if you're listening, please get in touch. Yes, please yes, do. Let yeah, us know. That'd be amazing. In the background, we can see Marty. He's smashing up another sporting installation. It's I think, I don't know if they're supposed to be there together. <laughs> I think it's just meant to be slightly representative. Yes. Um, Marty is thinking as he works, nobody will ever play football in this field again. Tremendous. You know, I can empathise actually with these guys, you know, because I would really quite like to have a huge amount of money and, you know, I'm not that fussed about sports. I can't, I can't lie. Yeah. So, after the set of the villains, we have another slow dissolve and it's the first appearance of the Justice Society. In this issue, we have a caption box that says... Gathered in answer to this worldwide criminal outburst are certain members of the Justice Society of America. Yes, the Justice Society for all this has taken place on Earth 2, that parallel planet of Earth 1 out of which operates its counterpart, the Justice League of America. Yep, from left to right, with little scroll-type banners heralding their appearance, we see Mr. Terrific. Returning for the first time since GLA 38, we see the the certainly more mature-looking Robin. There's a slightly different detailing on his suit compared to what we saw on the cover. We see the Wonder Woman of R2. We see Wildcat. He was in the last team-up. Hawkman of R2, who we've not seen for a while. I think mm -hmm. probably since GLA 38 as well. I yeah, seem I to remember. So. Mm -hmm. And my old mucker Rex Tyler, the Hour Man. He wasn't in the last one. Nope. I don't think he was in the one before that either. Nope, good to see him back. And was he in the one before that? So we probably haven't seen Rex since he was last in the showcase. So that's tremendous. So the caption then for the next panel says, At this emergency meeting, Hawkman serves as chairman. Yep, so in this panel we see Hawkman, Mr. Terrific Wonder Woman, Robin, Our Man, and Wildcat sat around the Just Society meeting table. Hawkman is saying, Before we get down to the urgent business at hand, I want to welcome Robin as a new member of the Justice Society. Yes, and a very delighted looking, very happy to be there Robin, who doesn't look as if he's actually taken a seat yet, standing there and he says, It's an honour and a privilege, Hawkman. Tremendous. Over the page then, we have a caption that says, No longer the boy wonder, the grown-up Robin acknowledges the round of applause. Yes, round of applause. <laughs> yep. Dick's being applauded by his teammates, and he says, First of all, I want to convey Batman's best wishes. Though he's in semi-retirement, he still goes out on special cases, which is what's keeping him from attending this meeting. And Wildcat responds, Donny Thunder is no such excuse. He's always late. 
Next panel of conversation continues as Robin says, Now for my own. I want to thank the Justice Society for fulfilling my life's ambition to be a member of such a distinguished group. I'll do my best to prove worthy of the honour. Ehrman says, You've joined us at a super crisis, Robin. And Wildcat continues, How to handle this Black Spheres puzzle. We should probably mention at this point, before we go any further, Robin's costume, the detailing in the chest is a little simpler than what we saw on the cover. There's no red oval, it's just basically a yellow R stuck on top of the the Batman logo that appears to have the head of the Batman logo chopped off. Again, the detailing in the mask is evident, and there's also some looking at the arms of the costume, that it's been drawn with sleeves, like the Robin outfit traditionally Mm -hmm. sort of had. So I wonder if it was... If the colouring was maybe a last minute decision, if he was meant to still have short sleeves, or maybe they thought the short sleeves maybe look maybe made him look too junior. Quite possible. It's possible, eh? So the conversation then continues at the bottom of page five, as Hawkman says. As far as we can make out from what we've learned from Interpol, four globes fell out of the sky and turned four human beings into supercriminals. Mr. Terrific continues. In some mysterious manner, these spheres altered the mental and physical structures of three men and a girl. And our man continues, Endowing them with powers only certain members of the Justice Society can match. Hawkman pipes up in the next panel. Then we'd better go out and match powers with them. I suggest Mr. Terrific and I take on that London businessman who's mad over money. And our man says, If there are no objections, I'd like to handle Hao Chu in China. Wonder Woman then chimes in. Claire Morton and her jewellery capers seem made for me. And Wellcat then pipes up. That leaves us, Robin. We'll team up to go out after that former baseball star who's been smashing sports arenas. Robin finishes this little discussion by saying, That suits me. I'm a rabid sports fan and would like to put an end to his game. Terrific. So, caption for the final panel on page five. As our man swallows that miracle pill that gives him supercharged energy for 60 minutes, Wonder Woman takes off in her robot plane. Robin and Wildcat in the Bat-Jet, and Hawkman wings it with Mr. Terrific. Yes. I love the fact that basically Hawkman's just carrying Mr. Terrific on his shoulders. Yeah, it's, it's like they're at a it's gig. Bizarre. <laughs> it's like they're, they've got to see a band and Terry's climbed up on Carter's shoulders so he can get a better view. Mm-hmm. Outstanding. So, we arrive at the top of page six. Caption for the first panel says, Within an hour, the Bat-Jet arrives at Cortez Stadium in Mexico. Yep. She pointed out at this point that the Bat-Jet also has a very big stylized R with yellow Batwings logo on the top. Obviously, Robin has taken possession of some of Batman's hardware, as well as the costume. From inside the, the Bat-Plane, Robin says, The Pan-American Games are scheduled to start here tomorrow, Wildcat. From the Smash Stadium's Baxter's left in his wake, I'm betting he'll shop here next. Landing, the Justice Society duo begins a search for its quarry that ends when... Yes, we see Wildcat and Robin coming upon Marty at the swimming pool at the stadium. You can see the, the starting blocks for anyone diving in. As Wildcat and Robin rush forwards, Wildcat says, There he is, blowing the water out of the pool with one puff of breath. Robin says, Let's take the big blowhard. Yeah. Should mention as well that there's a big swoosh sound effect as the water is displaced by Marty's efforts. It's quite, you know... If he's, if he's upsetting people swimming, I'm not into it. I've changed my mind. I'm, I'm fully against Marty. The next panel then, there's some some very helpful say-what-you-see dialogue from, from Wildcat and Robin. We see Marty gesturing his arm, almost looks like the Flash's windmill routine, and Wildcat and Robin go flying as Wildcat says, He's waving an arm at us, but not as a sign of greeting. It's causing the ground to rumble below us like an earthquake. Yeah, okay. So it's, yeah, that's interesting. Reminds me a bit of Major Disaster in some ways. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Mm, okay. In the next panel, we see a grinning Marty 
As Robin and Wildcat rush towards him, Marty says, Well, look who wants to play. The cheerful fearfuls. Robin says, You won't make jokes when these fists knock you for a goal. And then he thinks, I may be older, but I'm still a punster at heart. <laughs> he wouldn't have said that. <laughs> That's like me saying, I may be baldy now, but I still enjoy, oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's not something you'd become... still enjoy the smell of a good shampoo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, I do. That almost suggests, has he become older overnight? I don't know. Anyway, but I get, I get what they're doing. It's a slightly clumsy mm. way of saying, don't worry, kids, this is still the same guy that you know. <laughs> Final panel of page six shows Wildcat and Robin punching out Marty and Wildcat's thinking, not even in my days as a heavyweight champion of the world did I ever land a harder blow. Some giant whack and thunk sound effects. At the top of page 7, the caption for the first panel says, But the smashing sportsman can shake off knockout blows as a wet dog shakes off water. Yep, this panel shows Marty grabbing a hold of Robin, grabbing hold of Wildcat, lifting them up into the air, and he says, You know, I feel let down by the Justice Society. They should have sent Superman after me. Or even Dr. Fate. So Dr. Fate's not in the story, but he gets a mention, so that's nice. Mm -hmm. The next panel shows Marty just basically <laughs> how just he's just sort of holding on to him and went, spinning them around spinning them up round and up hand. and down and it's, it doesn't look very pleasant and as he's doing no. this he's saying I'll wind this up right now and the next panel shows him throwing Wildcat and Robin away they're crashing into the wall we can see sort of some of the the clocks for the time of you know, the sporting events around them and as they collide into the wall of the stadium Marty says Score another success for the Smashing Sportsman. That must be his super villain name. Yes. The the Smashing Sportsman. Indeed. Interesting. So he's literally a, a man who smashes sports rather than the, the British <laughs> sense of a sportsman. It's really good. Really good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. So. Smashing. <laughs> the sort of thing Horace would say. You're a smashing sportsman. <laughs> so, caption for the next panel on page seven says. Catapulting outward from the wreckage, the masked manhunter hurls his fist like a projectile. I like that. Robin punches out the smashing sportsman, saying, You aren't the only one who can ride with a punch, Baxter. This punch obviously sends him flying because Wildcat then takes a turn, and Wildcat says, Caught him on the fly! Now, Robin looks very juvenile in the final panel of page 7. PC commented that he's, in our preparation, that his, his leg looks as if it's bare. I mean, it looks basically very much just like the Robin costume with the main part of it coloured in grey. Yeah, it? and the top part definitely looks more like a tunic as opposed yeah. to the, mm -hmm. the Batman unitard or whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it. Yeah. yeah. Top of page 8, Marty's on his back on the ground. Wildcat and Robin bearing towards him. And again, Robin does not look like an adult. No. I mean, it could be a late teen, maybe. I don't know. He certainly looks older than Robin. You would, you would expect to see him, but no. Yeah. Very interesting. And again, the the sleeves are very evident on his on his arms. It's um, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. mm. Okay. So Marty's on his back as Robin and Wildcat bound towards him, and Marty's saying, "I thought you guys were setups, but I'll straighten you out quick enough." Punches out Robin in the next panel, saying, "You used to be known as the Boy Wonder. Now you're the grown up groaner with a swat." Punches Robin, who groans, basically. <laughs> and the next panel, Marty punches Wildcat with a big concussive burst. And he says, And that's my way of taming a wildcat. Caption for the next panel. Atomic-powered fists explode up and down the bodies of the Justice Society pair. Yeah, it's just a little montage of Marty punching Robin <laughs> and punching Wildcat, essentially. Generally beating them up. Yeah. Atomic-powered fists. Mm, interesting. And as he's getting stuck in... Marty says, Maybe I ought to take your places in the Justice Society. A trade like they make in the major leagues. Me, for you two has-beens. Or maybe 
I'll start my own gang. He does have a big cheesy grin on his face as he He's picks loving them up. it, doesn't he? Top of page nine, then. The caption says, Then. <laughs> Not the hardest caption Peter's <laughs> ever had to, to do in True. the many years that we've been doing this now. This panel shows Marty dragging Robin along with the cape and Wildcat along with, so I suppose, the scruff of his neck, it must be. And Marty's saying, Whatever that black sphere was, it just about made me invincible. He's thinking, I wish the JSA would send more superheroes to test me. The way I feel now, I could take them all on and trounce them. Panel 2 of page 9. Bit brutal. Marty uses Robin as a blunt instrument to cause some more damage. Still dragging Wildcat along. And as he swacks Robin against some wood, Marty thinks, Meanwhile, I've got some more stadium smashing to do. Gosh. That's brutal. That almost echoes the kicking that Jason got in the death in the family. Indeed, yes. <laughs> Maybe that inspired. <laughs> that possible. was inspired by the. Yeah. It's possible. We're going to fight. If someone gets told to hush, I'll be very concerned. <laughs> right, we have a slight change of scenery again here. And the caption for the next panel on page nine says, "While an unconscious Robin and Wildcat are setting their lumps, <laughs> Wonder Woman is flying over Chicago." Yes, we see Wonder Woman in her invisible robot plane, and as it's flying along, she thinks. According to my shortwave radio, the gem girl, as Claire Morton now calls herself, has been spotted looting the African diamond collection in the city museum. As long as I'm right over the museum, I'll personally drop in on her via the wind currents of the Windy City. The next panel, she's inside the museum. We see a giant dinosaur skeleton in the foreground. We can see the gem girl, Claire, in the background, standing in front of a display case. Wonder Woman's running towards her with her lasso out. And Claire is thinking, Ah, real competition at last. Here's my opportunity to display my newfound powers through my gems. Pearls are fancied in gem lore to have the ability to give life. So I'll animate old Boney here and let him handle her. Yep, it's a bit CBC dialogue from Wonder Woman as she says, Massive Minerva, that dinosaur skeleton's come to life. And yep, the dinosaur skeleton that we mentioned a second ago, with a snap, has grabbed Wonder Woman in its jaws. Gosh. I know, top of page 10 with a giant swat sound effect. Wonder Woman punches out some of its teeth, freeing herself, and she says, That ought to rattle its bones. Next panel. Now, to jail that jeweled Jezebel. She throws a lasso around Claire. And the gem girl says, Diamonds are a girl's best friend, Wonder Woman. Caption them for the next panel. As the loop of the magic lasso settles around the daring jewel thief. Wonder Woman says from off panel. Caught you. You are forced to obey me. Drop that sack of stolen jewels. Jem Girl says, A diamond is reputed to be a magic stone, Wonder Woman, but it can really counter the magic of your lariat. Like so. It's a sort of weird blue sparking energy all around Claire, and it's had a terrifying effect because Wonder Woman observes, Great Hera, my lasso has been sliced into sections. And instead of being the long rope, it just looks like it's turned to little, little sticks. Claire says, That's only the start. Caption them for the next panel. Turning strong as steel, the rope sections pound its owner. Yes, a very dynamic panel of Wonder Woman being struck by the segments of her magic lasso. And as she's being struck, she's thinking, My Amazonian strength getting weaker and weaker. A tiny caption that says, Continued on the second page following. We resume, top of page 11. Gem Girl has grabbed Wonder Woman by the wrists. It says, You might as well know, Wonder Woman, that my amethyst pin not only possesses the power to protect me from harm... It also ensures victory over my enemies. Yes, and there's a little detail of what looks like a bit of a purple glow coming from a 
a badge or a pin on Jim Girl's left collar. The next panel, she's lifted Wonder Woman up over her head, swinging her up, and she says, You can't argue with dual lore, or Jim Girl's law. And the next panel, she brings Wonder Woman down with a crash in front of some sort of statue dummy type things of some pirates by the looks of it. The next panel, Jim Girl swings Wonder Woman up by the wrists again, slamming her against the wall, and Jim Girl says, Ready to quit? Say the word and I'll stop. Never, says Wonder Woman. That's not the word. Caption for the next panel. Barely conscious, the stout-hearted girl from Paradise Island rallies for one more attack. Yes, Wonder Woman recovers enough to launch herself away from the wall, punches out Claire, saying, I'm not beaten yet. Claire's hat goes flying. Oh dear, it's not a good look. Claire says as she falls backwards with a swap sound effect. Yes, you are, but you're too stubborn to admit it. Over the page to page 12, Claire has grabbed Wonder Woman. Looks like she's grabbed her around the neck, actually. Oh dear. And as she grapples with Wonder Woman, Claire says, I have another choice bit for you. The carnelian bracelet I'm wearing fills me with extra energy and strength, so I can go on fighting like this indefinitely, getting stronger and stronger by the minute. A giant thwomp and a big burst of pink concussive force. Wonder Woman looks dazed as Claire hurls her to the ground. The closing caption for this chapter then says, Pounded to insensibility, Wonder Woman falls victim to the eerie powers of Gem Girl. Yep, and Claire has recovered her hat, because obviously appearances are important. We see Wonder Woman... Out for the count in the background on the floor. And Jim Girl thinks... Now to resume my interrupted business here. Caption says, story continues on second page following. The rest of the page is taken up with an advertisement for issue 73 of Brave and the Bold, starring Aquaman and the Atom. And then we have the letters page for this issue. And Pete, you wants to point something out from this letters page? Yep, there is a letter here. The very first letter is quite a long one. And it's from future comic writer Bob Rosakis. Fantastic. Probably best known as the Answer Man from yes. the Daily Planet columns, which we will go into in depth, I'm sure, when mm. we reach the Bronze Age. And basically, he is talking about his disappointment in GLA 52, saying that the Justice League all fought their foes as individuals and didn't really do any proper teaming up. So it's more like solo stories for all of them. Which is kind of like how the Justice Society started in All-Star Comics. Mm. So, yeah, interesting interesting commentary there from Bob. As I said, we will definitely be covering his, uh, some of his stories later on and definitely be talking about the Answer Man I poem. used to, I really used to enjoy the Answer Man. Oh, me too. Because, yeah. you know, the, you'd get people writing in with interesting questions that you'd yeah. give a reasonable, I mean, just simple facts that maybe someone didn't realise, but then mm. you'd also say something like, how much is issue 59 of so-and-so worth? Yeah. And he'd reply, 20 cents in good condition. In good condition, yeah. <laughs> it was always in good condition. <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. so quite <laughs> and funny. you could just like sense the disappointment of the reader going. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sort of thinking I've got better things to be doing with my time. Yeah. Ask me a, a better question. So yes, we will hear more from Bob Rosakis. Bob, thank you for making your, your Earth Two podcast debut. Right now, we arrive at the top of page thirteen of the story, and uh, a big opening caption box that says, "The, the super, super crisis, crisis that struck Earth Two, Part Two. And the caption for this first panel says. Halfway across the world, in a London banking establishment. Yes, we see Horace at the front of the panel, putting huge big wadges of cash into an open bag. He looks very Batman villainy, doesn't doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Batman TV villain with uh-huh. that top hat with a pound on it and yeah. the suit and the, the frilly cuffs and stuff. We can see piles of coins on what looks like a bookcase behind him. There's a chandelier in the background, many, many columns. It's almost a very fancy London banking establishment. Um, the Winged Wonder and the Man of a Thousand Talents have arrived in the background. Hawkman says, There's the Money Master, helping himself to all those pound notes. And Mr. Terrific says, I'll give him a pounding he didn't expect. <laughs> yes, emphasis in pound. Mr. Terrific taking Robin on at his own game there, and beating him, <laughs> quite frankly. 
the caption name for the next panel. Mr. Terrific, who has mastered every wisdom, every physical ability known to man, hurls himself upon the financial felon. Yep, Terry strikes a massive big left uppercut at Horace's face as we get the now traditional for this comic. Burst of pink concussive force, we can see some money falling to the ground around him. Horace doesn't feel a thing. He thinks, he's fighting a losing battle. By planting my feet firmly on this marble floor, I am able to absorb the very quality of marble into my body. Mr. Terrific recoils in the next panel, clutching his fist, saying, Yow! My fist, throbbing with pain! His jaw felt as if it had been turned into stone. In a matter of speaking, it did, says Horace, calling himself the Money Master now, of course. And we've seen the back of this panel. Hawkman is moving towards Horace, but Horace is reaching up to touch a clock that's on the wall. The next panel has a sort of crack and zzzz, electrical sort of sound effect. And as the winged wonder strikes at Horace, Horace says, Just as by poking my hand into this electric clock, my body can absorb the entire electrical energy of a power plant. Hawkman says, you don't think that boast will make me keep my hands off you? But then... Yeah! Yes, a big burst of electricity in the final panel of, of this page as Horace strikes, saying, Fortunately, you're not touching the floor or your body would be grounded and you'd die a shocking death. Top of page 14, Hawkman is still gripped in the, the thrall of the electrical shock and he says, I can't let go. I can't let go was an... It was a big hit for the Hollies in the 60s. Run about saying, this time? It's, yeah, run about this time. It's actually, oh, okay. yeah, genuinely, it's a really, really good song. Perhaps it was inspired by this uh, very story. I wonder if it was. And, I mean, and this isn't one of my menswear jokes when I say that. No, no, no. An unusual phrase that sounds a bit <laughs> like, well, that could be a menswear B-side. Genuinely, the Hollies had a hit single called I Can't Let Go. So, as Hawkman writhes under the electrical onslaught and says that he can't let go, Horace the Money Master says, Eventually you will, but you'll be in no condition to realise it bit of excitement in the next panel then as Mr. Terrific strikes at Horace from behind saying here's where I short circuit you money madman. Yep Mr. Terrific has struck Horace from behind with a very ornate looking bit of furniture it must be said perhaps he'll tell us what it is we can see a as the electricity shots out and Hawkman falls free. Mr. Terrific thinks I let go of the metal lamp just in time or I'd have got a dose of that electricity too. It's metal lamp, interesting. Okay, then the caption for the next panel. As those paralysing lightnings fade out. Mr. Terrific leaps forward and grabs and spins Horace. Mr. Terrific says, Your ill-gotten gains won't do you any good now. And Horace, as he goes flying into a bookcase full of coins, says, Maybe my purloined profits won't help me, but the rest of the coin in this bank will. The crash he collides with Coins go flying over the page, top of page 15. Horace is now on his knees amongst a pile of coins and he's saying, Thanks to you throwing me in among these coins, I've made contact, control with them, enabling me to use them as guided missiles. And he's gesturing with his left hand and the coins are starting to fly up off the ground. The next panel shows Mr. Terrific and Hawkman being struck by the penny projectiles and Mr. Terrific's hands up over his face saying, These flying coins stopping us cold. Hawkman says, can't make any headway. In the next panel, we see that Horace is gesturing up towards a big fancy crystal chandelier that's hanging from the ceiling. And he's now saying, Having absorbed electricity from the clock, it gives me control over all the electrical objects in the bank. Chandelier, make like a bomb. And with a giant crack in the next panel, the chandelier falls from the ground and takes out Hawkman and Missile Terrific. Horace stands over them in the next panel, saying, Ha 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 ha. These two great Justice Society crime fighters knocked out, and I've hardly begun to fight. Blimey. 
scene change now at the top of page 16. On the other side of Earth 2, along the well-travelled Silk Road between Lancho to Kashgar. Yep, we see How Chu, and he's basically holding up a big fancy old car. The driver of the car is getting out, and so are a couple of other slightly stereotypically drawn Chinese people. How Chu, with his big spear and his shield, is saying, Out of the car! I am taking your bags of gold! One of the people getting out of the car says, Mercy, How Chu! In the background of all this, it looks maybe like he's flying, actually. We can mm-hmm. see a yellow and black outfitted figure arriving on the scene. How Chu very helpfully tells us what's going on in the next panel. As he sees our man approaching, he says, Hi! Leaping devil, come stop the great How Chu! My spear shall stop him! Yep. How Chu draws his spear back as our man runs towards him. The next panel, he's thrown the spear. It falls in front of our man with a thunk. And the man of the hour proclaims, Your throw fell short! Of course! To hit you, too easy! The caption for the next panel then says, As the ancient weapon thuds into the ground, it glows, sends up a column of supernal brilliance into the sky. Yes, the slam sound effect. The aforementioned bursts of energy radiate out from her. Rex recoils, thinking, Ran into a column of solid light! He's down on the ground in the next panel, reaching for the car in front of him. And he thinks to himself, My super-energised body still charged up enough to show him some super-powered stuff of my own. Over the page now to page 17. Lifting the touring car like a toy. Classic. Superheroes throwing cars at bad guys. That's what it's all about. Our man throws the car, which knocks over How Chu. And in the background, a couple of the Chinese passengers in the car, well, the driver says, Our car wrecked. And one of the passengers says, A small price to pay. To save our gold. So there's a giant kablack sound effect as How Chu goes down in the foreground. The next panel, our man is thinking, Time's running out on me. I'd better double up on my fist action. We see him punching up at How Chu. To his intense amazement, the Chinese bandit rises high into the air. Yep, see what you see. Rex says, Wow, did I suck him that hard? As How Chu goes flying upwards, How Chu is drawing out his sword, uh-oh, and says... Prepare to die, foreign devil. And then with a horrible bit of stereotyping as he falls back down towards our man with his sword drawn, he says, I make chop suey out of you. Bottom panel of page 17. How Chu goes to strike our man with his sword, but... Aye, you real devil. No man able to break my blade with fist. Yes, the sword shatters with a screech sound effect. And our man says, I'm just as tough on defence as I am on offence. Top of page 18, first caption says... With a cry of fury, How Chu lifts an arm, rotates it. See what you see, spinning his right arm and he says... Now I know you, devil. I use special power to overcome, devil. Hi! The devil you say, replies our man. The caption for the next panel then... Instantly, the very air around, the TikTok man forms a vortex of swirling fury. Yeah, this is great. As How Chu gestures and spins his hand... Our man starts to spin and rotate as well, thinking, can't break free of whirlwind. The next couple of panels show him burrowing down into the ground. And as this goes on, our man thinks, it's boring me into the ground. Not even my miracle pill can help me here. How far down is he going to send me? We then see our man totally subsumed into the ground, just his head and his collar poking out. How Chu stands over him, pointing down, laughing, saying, Ha 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 ha! Ancient Chinese torture! I leave you like that. Go rob someplace else. Our man is thinking, at least he stopped the whirlwind. But even if I do manage to get out of here by that time, How Chu will be far gone. Wowza. 
Top of page 19, though. Meanwhile, in the secret headquarters of the Justice Society of America, where Johnny Thunder, having arrived too late to go on assignment, impatiently awaits the return of his fellow members. So we see Johnny standing in front of the eagle mascot of the Justice Society, looking at his watch, saying, What's keeping them? Where'd they go? Maybe they can use my help. Captioned in for the next panel. At long last, the door opens and... Very dishevelled Justice Society enters. Johnny says, You're back! But look at the shape you're in! Wildcat says, We're lucky to get back here alive. Robin says, We tangled with super criminals that none of us could overcome. Mr. Terrific contributes, My timing was way off. A little bit of time has passed the caption for the next panel. After their stories have been told... <laughs> this is a very, very funny panel. Wonder Woman's got her head down on the table, Robin in the background looking totally done in, Wildcat with his costume torn at the sleeve, Mr. Terrific the same, Hawkman looking very thoughtful and pensive in the front, and Johnny is saying, You should have waited for me. Me and my Thunderbolt would have trounced him. Maybe it's not too late. I'll send Thunderbolt out after them. Say you! A little asterisk in a helpful caption box that says... Having been raised by Batnesians, Johnny Thunder was given a magic thunderbolt as a gift, who was duty-bound to obey him whenever Johnny said the hex words, Say you. Say you. Thunderbolt has appeared in the next panel. Johnny's saying, Thunderbolts, get out there and capture Horace Rowland, Claire Morden, Martin Baxter and Hao Chu. What was that last name? Hao Chu. Gesundheit. Oh God, that's awful. <laughs> There's a caption for the final panel on page 19. Half an hour goes by, then the door opens again, and... Yes, we see the Thunderbolt with his little... <laughs> the little sort of lightning motifs on the top of his head, slightly twisted. Yep. There are stars circling him, he looks very dizzy, and Thunderbolt says... <sighs> what a brawl! I've met my match! Not even my Badnesian hex magic could stop those super-dupers! Huh? Move her over, JSA, says Johnny. I'm joining the loser's table! Over the page then, now to page 20. Johnny's had a thought, and he says, Wait! I got another idea. The Thunderbolt says, Oh no! If it concerns me, please have mercy! Your next assignment is nothing to be afraid of! Says you! Says me! I mean, say you! Get over into Earth 1 and bring back some Justice Leaguers! Maybe the League can succeed where the Society failed! With a giant zoom effect, we see the Thunderbolt departing in the background. Johnny puts a conciliatory arm on Hawkman's shoulder and says, This is no reflection on you fellas, you understand. It's just that the JLA might have a fresh viewpoint. Maybe they can come up with an angle we can't. Hawkman says, It's worth a try. And Robin says, Anything's better than resigning ourselves to defeat. The caption then for the next panel. Instantly? Well, almost instantly. Yes, the Thunderbolt was arrived with four Justice League members with him in tow. Johnny, very helpfully, tells us who the Thunderbolt was brought with him. Huh? Only Superman, Flash, Green Arrow and Green Lantern? Where are the others? You said bring some. To me, some means four. Yes, and so we see the Flash with his costume torn around the shoulders and the leg and Green Lantern behind him and Green Arrow looking very dishevelled and even Superman has a few tails in his costume which is very unusual. Mm -hmm. As the JLA march in, the Flash is saying, Phew! And so we didn't have enough troubles without Johnny and his Thunderbolt complicating our lives. Green Arrow says, We've got to get back to our own Earth. And Superman continues, And fast, a super crisis has struck our world. Top of page 21, Hawkman says, We're mighty sorry if we interfered with some case you're working on, Wildcat says. It's just that we battled four super criminals who had absorbed black spheres that gave them evil superpowers. And Wonder Woman continues, 
It's bad enough losing out to them. And our man concludes... But to stand helplessly by, unable to make a move to stop Earth from falling into their clutches. Superman then continues in the next panel. Great Krypton. Sounds like the same case we were working on in Earth 1. And in the Flash says... That figures. What happens on our Earth generally happens on yours. We took a licking, just as you did. We were in headquarters trying to figure out a plan of action when whammo! Here we are! The Man of Steel says in the next panel. Well, all right. As long as we're here, we Justice Leaguers might as well work with the JSA. Queen Lanson says, Right, if we can find a way to overcome the black-gloved humans here, we could repeat it on our Earth. Our first move is to find out more about those black spheres. Nice close-up of Johnny in the Thunderbolt in the next panel, as Johnny says, Say, you'd think one of us would have found out something about them. Say you, that means me. Okay, I can tell you where they came from, why they're here. Oh, oh, I never thought of asking T-Bolt that. Arrived at the top of page 22. Robin says, But how did you manage to find out? T-Bolt replies, Just because he's a cook, don't think I am. Yeah, the Thunderbolt points at Johnny at this point. Naturally, before I started fighting them, I found out all I could about those crooks and those black spheres. And Johnny Thunder says, Hold your Badnesian tongue, Thunderbolt. Hmm. Do not hold it. Go ahead. Say you. Tell us what you know. The next panel shows Thunderbolt in front of a diagram that he's sort of drawn in either on the wall or in thin air. I'm going to let Thunderbolt's dialogue explain this. <laughs> the Black Spheres came from a universe in which they evolved in positive time to a peak at which point they became the ultimate in superintelligent life. Then they started to devolve rapidly in negative time, losing their intelligence. Yeah, we'll put this panel on the socials. Thunderbolt continues in close-up in the next panel. To escape their doom, they sought out another universe still on positive time. Ours! In order to maintain and even increase their superpowers, because time was short, they had to hurl themselves at random into our universe, hoping at least some of them would make contact with the highest of all Earth life forms, human beings, and be absorbed into their bodies. But only four of them made the vital contact, the remainder evidently perished. Superman, Flash and Green Lantern observing that panel and in the final panel we see Our Man, Hawkman and Wonder Woman in the background as the Thunderbolt concludes. On contact with a human, the life force of the Black Sphere was absorbed by the human where it'll remain semi-dormant until it recovers from its journey. And Hawkman asks him, But what made the four humans act evilly? And in a close-up again, Thunderbolt looking very much like the guy who plays J. Jonah Jameson in the Spider-Man movies. <laughs> Don't you think? Yes, he see, does. Can you see what I mean? Yep. What's his name? J.K. Simmons, yes, of course. Yes, um, so I think from now on, the Thunderbolt is going to have to be played by J.K. Simmons. <laughs> that's, <laughs> when we make our live-action JSA movie, that's who's going to play him. If I'm ill one week, uh, we'll, uh, yes. we'll get his agent on the phone. Yeah, it's we'll fine. get J.K. to stand in. I'm sure he'll be up for yeah. it. I'm sure he'd love to come round to, to Mount Florida and sit in my <laughs> living room reading comics. Yes, J.K. Simmons then continues in close-up. Strangely enough, the chemical union of alien and human caused an evil reaction. The four humans found themselves forced to carry out their secret wishes in a criminal manner. Eventually, when four alien super beings awaken, they will be in full control of their human hosts. Blamey. The final panel then of this issue has all of the assembled superheroes looking very concerned. Hawkman says, It was bad enough before. Now it seems doubly hopeless. Wonder Woman continues, Well, we have one thing going for us. We have a double team to fight them now. And our man chimes in. We should sympathise with their battle for survival, Green Lantern says. But not when our own survival is at stake. 
And Robin concludes JLA 55 by saying, Man, I sure wish I knew how this is going to turn out. And a closing caption, which then says, So say we all, Robin. But to find out how the Justice Heroes cope with this super crisis, see the next issue of Justice League of America. The end. Well, that was breathless. Yes, a lot of stuff happened very quickly. Rattled through. uh, I'm stunned at how quickly we got through that. A few things I want to comment on straight away is... Yes, go for it. The idea that the Black Spheres turned them all evil. Well, How Chu obviously was pretty evil in the first place, considering he was being executed. Yeah, he was facing a firing squad. It's, <laughs> and was Horace already thinking about embezzlement? Was Claire Possibly. already thinking of, you know, well, he must, you're right. I mean, he must have been a nasty. I don't really have too much to say about it. The artwork was nice. Sid, as I remarked the last time, Sid yeah. Green does wonders for, yeah. for Mike Sikowski. There's some nice. really great standout panels, yeah. Yep, a nice mix of heroes. Interesting, as we remarked at the time, just going, going through how Robin looks older and younger in certain panels. A very simplistic story, with a lot going on, but the see what you see captioning and dialogue meant, to be honest, I found it a little bit unsatisfying. Yeah. Not the, not the, not the chewiest, mm-hmm. shall we say? Yeah, true. I don't really have too much to add. Again, it's, that. it's very much, as has been the case for a couple of these uh, JSA JLA team-ups, is that part one is very GSA focused. Yes. I mean, the GLA literally just turned up at the very end. Yes. Uh, not of their own accord. Mm-hmm. But yes. Yeah, which, which, yes. Is, which is great. Yeah. You know, that's what, that's what we're here for. Guest, so, stars, mm-hmm. guest stars in their own comic. Yeah. I mean, no, you're right. I mean, 37 and 38 was very GSA, with the, especially the first part was very yeah. GSA focused. And the second half of 29 and 30 you know, was, was quite GSA focused. I mean, it's almost like they're given centre stage. Yeah. It's less of a crossover than a, a JSA story guest starring the JLA. You know, mm-hmm. not that I'm complaining. I mean, the Hourman fight sequence was tremendous. And you yeah. got to throw a car about, which, as I said, is great fun. True, yeah. I think possibly the most insubstantial one that we've done. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We need to address Superman's costume. Because as we all know, mm. Superman's costume in this at this period is invulnerable. It mm. would have been indestructible, so he can't have a torn costume. However, who's to say that costume wasn't in for the wash and this is a spear he had kicking about he was wearing? <laughs> yeah, I mean... Um, That's the only explanation I've got for that. I mean, we don't see the the, the, the people who they're fighting on mm-hmm. Earth 1. Unless they're magically powered, mm. the spheres. Which, that would, be, that would yep, work. There's that. and There's no evidence of any kryptonite being involved, so magic would be the other yeah. way for Superman's costume itself to, yeah. be, to be damaged. And we, know, we don't see it, as I say, we don't see anything about what happens to them in Earth 1, so no. you know, we've no idea. Mm-hmm. But it's, you're right, it's definitely worth remarking on. It's a great shorthand way of just showing that they've all had a bit of a rough time. Yeah. Just tear the costume up and tear some, yep. some bits in it. Yeah, I to be honest, out of all the comics we've done, I have the least... It's probably, I have the least amount to say on it. It was good seeing our man. I like the conceit of the grown-up Robin becoming a member of the team. I think that's wonderful. You know, adult Earth 2 Dick Grayson, he's going to be with us all the way through up until Crisis Infinite Earths. It's Indeed. nice to see him finally turn up. It's good to see Mr. Terrific taking part. Always a pleasure. That's about it. I really don't have anything to add. I thought it was fine. A little unsubstantial, but it didn't cool. offend me. Let's talk about, about Robin then, because, yep. as you've said, he has grown up in this. Now, he first appeared in... Detective Comics 38, and that, that was released in March 1940. Mm-hmm. Now, looking at the age, he would have been then the youngest age I've seen kind of mentioned for Robin when he first appeared as eight, which again is really it's on the very cusp. Young, it's isn't very it? young, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but it's eight, it is eight, right? That means mm-hmm. he's born in 1932. So this, what year is this? This is 1967. 
Okay, cool. So he's about well, 35, 35 at this point, yeah. yeah. It's quite old. It's probably it's older. It's not quite than, old. It's quite, you know, it's quite it's, seasoned. It's, it's, it's probably uh-huh. older than Barry and Hal are at this, or probably are at this point. Yeah, you know, and in, indeed Superman, because they're because, all supposed to be an eternal 20, right? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Uh-huh. Superman, Legopolis, Superman always has that eternal sort of 29 mm-hmm. thing going on. And it's, you know, because they're treating it like it's a big deal, almost as if Robin is suddenly older. Yeah. And I suppose that's how it would make sense to the reader. They would suddenly yeah. see Robin as an adult. And he would have to be sort of, you know, early to mid-30s at the absolute latest. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I mean, there is that issue of All Star Squadron when you know they all get zapped and basked and sort of you know well, that's way 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 yeah, in the future. future. Um, mm-hmm. So we can't really refer to that just now because well, it's a just, cheat. Yeah, just going on the evidence we have at the moment, they're all aging in real time. Yeah, at the present evidence that we have, everyone's aging in real time, and yeah. there's no extra longevity in anyone that mm-hmm. we're aware of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it's really interesting to see that happen. Yeah, I mean, it, but you're right. I mean, he, he is still treated almost though like he's a. A bit of a juvenile, and yeah. certainly there is a slight discrepancy in the way in the, he's, the way that he's drawn. In the final panel, he looks adulty enough, mm-hmm. but the panels for him and Wildcat are first fighting Marty. He just looks maybe like an older teenager, or a young man at, at best. It's it's interesting. I mean, I wonder how much thought was actually given to to that accuracy because the thing is, by the time you see him later on, especially in the eighties stories where he appears, you know, mm-hmm. there's a bit of grey hair coming in, yeah, a true. few more lines in his face, so he's mm-hmm. made to appear a little bit older. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more accurately sort of represented. Yeah, it's almost like they kind of fudged it in a way. But you're right. I mean, he probably looks and has been drawn younger than he probably actually is. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Shall we move on to the reader reaction from the time? Yes, very much so. So the first letter is from issue 59 of Justice League of America. And it goes like this. Dear Editor, I'm always loath to comment on the first part of a JLA-JSA crisis tale for in order to properly analyse the story, both parts are needed. However... I'm willing to make an exception this time due to unusual circumstances. For one thing, the art was unsurpassable. Hardly unusual in coming from the Sikowski Green team, but what amazed me was how they could get so much beauty out of so little plot. Yes, Mr Fox left much to be desired. The plot had lots of action, but it boiled down to JSA is defeated by four supervillains. They asked the JLA for help, only to find them in the same straits. Yeah, I would agree with that. What you had was the introduction of a menace, a few fights, and then everything was left for the ensuing issue. I only hope that part two is so exciting, startling, and original that my present opinion gives way to pains of praise. I have mixed feelings about your choice of society members. By replacing the omnipresent Batman with his youthful successor Robin, you clearly avoided incurring my wrath. All right. Of course, I wasn't too tickled by the fact that he was modified to look Batmanish on the cover. But play your little games if they make you happy. Oh my god. <laughs> this guy's right, okay. This guy's the sort of guy now that I would like, you know, just instantly mute or block on Twitter or would <laughs> roll my eyes at and send send a screenshot to you with a swear word of if I saw it on, on a Facebook Indeed, comment. Yeah. The appearance of the Golden Age Wonder Woman, now wearing the sandals the modern Amazon wore before she exchanged them for the old boots, served to confuse me more than ever. Oh dear. The belated appearance of Johnny Thunder and his wacky hex bolt is always a treat. For the rest, I don't know whether or not it was a coincidence, but Naria 1 had had what you would truly call a superpower. They all had super skills. This made the tale a treat for all us fight fans, open brackets, pow, but I prefer less emphasis on the fisticuffs in the future with more stories where our heroes have to rely on their brains to escape clever traps and solve intriguing mysteries. It seems in the golden age all one needed to become a superhero was a costume and a good right to the jaw, open brackets, sorry about that, Wildcat. Well... It's true, though. Yeah, you know, that's the whole point. That, yeah, huh? That's yeah. why people like the Crimson Avenger and the Guardian and original Sandman mm-hmm. and, you know, Wildcat and Mr. Terrific are so resonant because they were just good guys doing the right thing. Yep. Oh, this guy's pissing me off. 
I'm having more of a response to this letter than I am to the story. Right, so this letter continues. The Justice League itself was rather slighted this issue, making a sort of guest appearance in their own mag. Well, there is a precedent. We've talked about mm-hmm. this. Your JLA choices were none too original. The overexposed Supi, Flash, and GL, and lo and behold, Green Arrow, you could have fooled me. The way you treated him in Aquaman, I'd have sworn they retired. Well, that's a fair point, probably, okay. actually, but Ollie, at least. On page 20, you show Superman's indestructible super costume in shreds. Ah. Yep. It's things like these that keep me awake at nights. Hopefully next issue Soup will reveal that he is tangled with things magical or Kryptonian, whatever it is, it better be good. The Man of Steel has to send a suit to Candor for repairs and you know the exorbitant prices those foreign tailors charge. As long as I decide to refrain from commenting too much on this issue, hoo-ha, I feel I should mention that I missed the extra page for this issue, the letters page extra I should say. I was thrilled to find that I made a turkey howling-wise in your column, letter-wise, and it makes me want to ask myself, doesn't anyone else write terse Concise letters to Editor Schwartz? Oh yes, before I forget, your covers look much better since you've eliminated the go-go checks. <gasps> no, they don't. Sacrament. No, yeah. Now if you'd get rid of this new logo and replace it with the old JLA shield, the covers would look even better. All right. Who called me a kvetch? What's a kvetch? Anyway, that's from Leonard Rosenberg in the Bronx, New York. So obviously I should have been reading that in a different accent. Oh, Leonard, cheer up, man. I agree with some of your points, but God, lighten up. The response from the editor is... We've often been accused of being partial to certain correspondents whose comments we consistently print. We plead guilty to the charge, but they offer detailed, constructive criticism. So much more valuable and pertinent than the brief I like or I know like letters (laughs) that our choice is limited. One such crack correspondent is Lenny Rosenberg, who didn't go for GLA-55. On the other hand, there is Joe Arrell, who did. So we're more than willing to let him have his say too, says the editor. Yep. And of course, the other letter in this column, there only are two, is from our old pal Joseph Arrell from New York, New York. (laughs) Dear editor, the super crisis that struck Earth 2 will probably be acclaimed as the story of the year for being the first GLA tale, or should I have said JSA, epic, without Batman, since this magazine became just another Cape Crusader enterprise. Oh, I realised that the grown-up Robin, blown out of proportion on the cover, was really Batman in disguise, designed to lure the followers of the masked manhunter. Still, the fact that his Batship did not make an appearance on either Earth represents progress. <laughs> his Batship, that's the latest. I mean, we've, yeah. We have talked about this many times before, the, the mm-hmm. prominence given to Batman at this period of yeah. the, the back of the TV show. Yeah. However, the real reason why this story made a hit with me was because it reminded me of the JLA stories of the early 60s, which in my mind thus far have been the best ones published. The dialogue was realistic, the panels exploded with excitement and the format, with the members meeting collectively at the beginning, the chairman doling out assignments to teams of twos or threes to tackle the menace, and the heroes reassembling at the conclusion of a case, was excellent. Thus, you can well conceive how greatly elated I was when I beheld this formula in action again in GLA 55. The Robin Wildcat and Mr. Terrific Hawkman duo episodes, plus the Wonder Woman and Hour Man encounters, generated such excitement in my being that I had to reread and reread this excellently authored tale before I could put it down. Other good points, and I shall be brief, include the Sikowski Green Arts. The notion of new Justice Society heroes being recruited from the ranks of teenagers during the Golden Age, the realistically depicted brutal debacles of the GSA forces and the science fiction theme of the evolution spheres. The question will arise why the GLA had to be summoned 
when there are so many GSA members around, and it is a valid one. That's a good point, yeah. Mm -hmm. We rarely see Earth 2's famed organisation, and it would have been nicer if Johnny Thunder's Thunderbolt had tapped Dr. Fate, Spectre, Starman (laughs) and Dr. Midnight in lieu of the four members from Earth 1. On the other hand, the name of the magazine is Justice League, and we will have to observe the inclusion of this super band, even on a token basis. I hope, though, one day we will have an all-Justice Society issue, i.e. this legendary organisation in its own magazine once more. Great points there, actually, from well, Joseph yeah, absolutely. about I mean, the JSA. Yeah. Why didn't they just conjure up Doctor Fate and, or even the, the Earth 2 Superman yeah. or whatever? Spectre could handle that Alan rather Scott. easily. Yeah, yeah, could have rocked up. Uh-huh. Jay could have run rings around them. That's what, two on the bounce that Jay Garrick has missed? Two JLAJC team-ups that he's missed? I don't know. Maybe hmm. he was on another cigarette break. Interesting. It's fair points that Joseph has made there, and again, because mm-hmm. it's, it's the question that, that, that I've asked myself, that, you know, we've talked about how the JSA members were revived and showcased and Brave and the Bold, now they seem to be, you know, well-received, but no one, apart from the Spectre, got their own book. Yeah. Were the JSA visits during the summer done because they were popular, but again, they they weren't obviously seen as a big enough draw that they would get their own book. They wouldn't get their own book again until, you know, the mid-70s. It's, I wonder how much thought was given. Probably never know, but it could have been good. But of course, it would have taken us much, much longer to do this whole podcast. True. Very true. <laughs> yes. So, that was a question you ask yourself. But if you want to ask us a question, listeners, you can get in touch. You can email us at theearthtopodcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on social media because there will be a lot of classic panels going up from this issue because there are some really, really nice panels. And of course, that amazing Thunderbolt diagram that explains everything Yes, will be going up. <laughs> on Facebook and on Instagram, we're at the Earth 2 Podcast. And on Twitter, we're at podcast underscore Earth 2. And it's the number two for all our social media. And also make sure you check out our website. That's the Earth 2 Podcast dot com where you can find this and all of our episodes yep and if you're enjoying what we do you can buy us a coffee there's a link to our coffee page via the link tree at our twitter account so yes so if you're feeling generous you know what to do <laughs> i can't wait to see what happens next in episode two i can't know say. you guys are gonna have to wait the entire week but we're about to record it so <laughs> on that note i've been peter and i've been david we'll see you very soon on the earth two podcast Transmatter cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. Robin says, Let's take the big... (coughs) Excuse me. Robin clears his throat and says... (laughs)